This is the Idea Time Show, Idea Time Show with Dr. Joe North, helping facilitators expand their creativity, confidence, and impact through the power of innovation in action. Gain confidence as a facilitator, confidence with the technology, and confidence with your content and event design. Tune in every week for practical tips, strategies and interviews that will accelerate your personal and business success. And now, here's your host, Dr. Jo North. Hello there, how are you doing? This show is all about group dynamics and exploring how people behave differently in groups. And this is really important to know as facilitators because obviously it's our job to facilitate groups and make sure that everybody gets to the end result, that we get the outcomes that we're looking for and that people have a great experience on the way. So what this is going to give you is a really good edge and a bit of extra insight into how groups work and it's going to be super helpful. So what we're going to cover is a definition of group dynamics and why it's important for facilitators. We're going to explore a really fascinating area, which is our need for social connection. And I've got a great reading recommendation for you as well, because I know from your comments that you really like to read and get into some of the subjects that we cover on the show. Some insights as well into group psychology. And we'll be thinking about creativity, social context, group dynamics, and how you can use all of this information to support your delegates and design your sessions. This is a really nice follow-on to the last show that I did, which was all about creating psychological safety in your sessions. So if you haven't checked that one out, do go and have a look after this episode, of course, not quite yet. And I'm also going to be following on this series next week, looking at creative tension in groups. And that's a good thing if it's managed well. All of these three working together, you can look at them all independently, of course, but they all fit together really nicely too. So what are group dynamics? It's a phrase that you hear a lot and I think it's always useful regardless to start with a definition of what that is. And it simply means, in my definition anyway, the behaviours and psychology that create and influence the interactions of people within a group. And why is it important? Well, it's our role as facilitators to lead groups through a process that generates a target outcome and creating a great experience at the same time. And by understanding group dynamics, you'll benefit from additional skills and insights that will elevate your confidence and impact as a facilitator. Because this is really important, you know, I think when we, we are taught to facilitate all of us, we're taught about a process, we're taught about different activities and maybe some fundamentals of how to interact with people. But actually what we're talking about here is going into another level of depth and understanding that can really advance what we do. And you know all of this already because you're used to working with groups, you're facilitating, you're used to being part of a group. And we've been part of a group since we were born. And you'll see what I mean by that as we go through. So I think this is really about packaging something for you and giving you some things to think about that I hope you find useful. And I think some of it you'll know. But actually stepping back and taking a moment from time to time to reflect on it and think about how you can use it is quite a helpful thing to do, in my view. Now, group dynamics starts with 
you know, our need for social connection as humans. And there's been some fantastic research by Matthew Lieberman, who's a social neuroscience researcher. And he's found actually that our need to connect with other people is even more fundamental than our need for food or shelter. So it really is a reinvention. If you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs with food and shelter and that physical um, well-being and physical safety right at the bottom of the pyramid, we're starting to find out actually that that might not be the case. What our brain does is it uses any spare time it has to learn about the social world, about other people and how we fit in with them. You know, where do we stand? What's our place in society and in the groups that we, we are in? family, work, just in general. And as you know, we've talked about this before on the show, it's generally thought that we need around 10,000 hours to master any skill. I've talked about Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Outliers, which is a super book if you've not read that. And from Malcolm Gladwell's research, that's about the time we need to invest in becoming really good at something. And it's super interesting to learn that each of us has spent 10,000 hours learning to make sense of people and groups by the time we are 10. And if you think about it, this makes sense, doesn't it? Because we're we're so reliant on other people uh, as we grow up and beyond. So if you haven't read the book Social, Why Our Brains Are Wired to Connect by Matthew Lieberman, I really recommend you read it. It's fascinating and it turns on its head some of the things that we think about why we do what we do as humans and how we behave and of course all of those insights you can put into your facilitation design and practice as well to really give it that extra edge and that extra level of success and i've mentioned that you know this is part of who we are as humans we need social connection and this is why group dynamics are so important and we've evolved from being babies with a species that needs adults around us to take care of us when we're very young and in order to be taken care of in the right way we need to be able to work out how to do that successfully how do we need to influence what do we need to do to fit in to be part of that group and it goes beyond that it's also from a community point of view as a species we've evolved to really rely on the community around us to survive for food and and shelter So being part of a social group is wired into us and how we fit into that group and how we're perceived by that group is really, really important to us. And for that reason, it's such a good thing to consider when you're designing and facilitating your workshops that actually the group dynamics are important to people. As what we're doing when we're in groups is we are consciously and unconsciously engaging in social comparison. So people in your sessions are subconsciously and consciously comparing their position and views against other group members. You know, what's acceptable, what isn't, what's everybody else thinking, how do I fit into this? So that there are all those thoughts going through people's heads the whole time and they may not even be aware of it. And because people want to really, you know, fit in and be accepted by the group in the main, there are exceptions of course, groups generate conformity and that can be a good thing. It can create some understanding that makes the whole situation you know, really good for everybody and everybody knows where they stand and it can be really effective or it could be negative. You know, If, if all the group decides to go down um, a path or take an action that isn't safe, for instance, 
then that's not a great thing, is it? That's a negative thing. So people do try in the main to fit in with groups. And even when we think we're being non-conformist, quite often we are conforming with something else. And I remember um, my time as as a teenager. So I grew up in a town called Skegness. Some of you might know Skegness. If you're listening overseas, then you probably don't. But Skegness is a seaside town. And I decided when I was a teenager, I had a job in a shop called Woolworths. And I worked on the record counter. Now this is showing my age. I'm 52 in September this year, in 2021, if you're listening in the future. And I worked on the record counter, so this record predates CDs and certainly predates digital music. And I decided I was going to be a goth. So a goth, if you don't know, I'm sure you do, you know, the big sort of dyed black hair, white makeup, black lipstick, really dark eye makeup, black clothing. And I played gothic music on the record counter around about the age of sort of 16, 17, something like that. And I thought I was being really rebellious and not fitting in with what was expected. But of course, you know, there are goths and wonderful. I I still love goth music and I I still quite like the look, if I'm being honest. But there are goths all over the world. And all I was doing was not conforming with one group, but actually conforming with another. So groups do generate conformity. And and what we're trying to do is, is, is fit in. And I think that's just important to bear in mind when you're designing and facilitating workshops, especially if they're around innovation or trying to do something around culture change or transformation or take new things on board. And what groups do, this is connected with conformity, but it's slightly different, is also groups work with each other to keep within the boundaries of what they consider to be appropriate and acceptable behaviour. This is known as normalisation. You know, I like to always give you the, uh, I suppose, the, the technical or the proper, in inverted commas, term for things. So normalisation goes deeper than conformity, though, because it also actually impacts individual beliefs about what's acceptable. And when you think about it, you know, we all grow up believing certain things to be true about money or relationships or about how we should or shouldn't be at school or at work. So we can get into a group and the boundaries of what the group sees to be acceptable can actually influence what we perceive to be acceptable as well ourselves. It changes individual beliefs. Why is this important? Well, if you're asking a group to take on new learning, if you're asking a group to do something transformative or innovative, then you know this is really important because as a facilitator, you really need to bear that in mind and building things that challenge what the group think is acceptable because sometimes what acceptable is a self-imposed constraint or a limiting a self-limiting belief and often the you know the definition of acceptability is one that has never been challenged and that goes for possibility as well you know how acceptable is an idea how acceptable is that an idea might be possible in practice so it's really important to to really get groups to challenge their assumptions um, and do that in a really good way and you can make that fun you can make it interactive and cool but as long as that's built in so that you don't get that group thing going on the other thing that I found fascinating is which is it's also so true and we know this when we think about it but just so fascinating and how we behave as humans is that when people with similar views come together 
the impact is one of polarisation. So this is that the group becomes more extreme in their view. So if you have a group of really risk-averse or cautious people working together, they will be even more cautious and risk-averse as a group than they are individually. So what happens is it's almost like acts as a multiplier where that risk aversion and cautiousness increases. And by the way, everything that I'm sharing with you has been researched, tested, evidenced in social neuroscience and, and other settings. Likewise, if you've got a group of people who are really confident and maybe over optimistic as individuals, when they get together, they're going to be super confident and super over optimistic, even more so than they would be as separate individuals. So that could lead to, you know, great risk. Either way, I suppose. This is really, you know, a really good thing to explore. Again, when you're innovating, when you're thinking through creative problem solving, when you're looking at transformation, is making sure they don't go too far down one way, too far down the other. And building some disruptive thinking activity that will, will challenge that and really test it. How to do that is to ask people for what assumptions are they making their views on or they're building their assertions on and go from there. Again, a whole fascinating area. And you might have come across Chi Seng Chmihaili in the context of flow. So creative flow, of course, is when we're just in the zone, we lose sense of time and we're really into what we're doing. This is a different concept because I really wanted to share with you the idea that how creativity is defined depends on the views of the, the society, the social, you know, the group, the social context in which that creativity is born. And you think about that from an art perspective, you know, somebody can create a piece of art, they may or may not think it's a, a great piece of art, but that creativity, you know, can be judged by the group, the society around it. And of course, the culture influences what is painted by the artist in the first place. So creativity and, and how useful and how good that creativity is, is judged by the group in, in which the context in which that creativity takes place. And there are some examples of painters, for instance, Vincent van Gogh or Vincent van Gogh, depending on where you are in the world and how you prefer to pronounce it, whose genius really wasn't discovered and celebrated when he was alive. His genius was discovered and celebrated after his death. And there's something about how well we see our creativity being received before we put it out there into the world by the group around us. But there's also something about how creativity is judged by the group. So what I'm saying here is that the group will challenge how creatively useful something is, how creatively useful a new idea is. And it's important to manage that from a facilitation perspective because firstly, it's about creating an environment of psychological safety in which people can and feel good about speaking up and sharing ideas and putting them out there. But it's also about making sure the rest of the group is open-minded when it comes to receiving those ideas and, and actually not judging them too quickly, not bringing in too many preconceived notions about why something will or won't work or why it is or why it isn't a good idea. So I hope that makes sense. It's a bit more of a complex concept, but 
just remember that you know how good a piece something creative is how good an idea is is judged by the people in which that idea happens so the environment around it and it needs people to be open-minded and it also needs people having the idea in the first place to be brave so you can create a great environment and what all this means for facilitators what it means for us when we're doing our work and we're working at our best is of course emotional intelligence tuning into the group and I think what I've seen happen online, especially with facilitation throughout lockdown and everybody doing so much stuff online, is that we, you know, we're in, we're doing the job, we're getting the job done, we're working through the process, we're focusing on pressing the right buttons on Miro or Menti or Zoom or, or Teams, whatever it is. We also need to make sure that we make the time to tune into the group and to use our emotional intelligence to make sure we're in the right place, to actually sometimes we need to be in with the group and feeling it and seeing it as they are, but also to have the objectivity to step back and, and just observe the group dynamic and see what's going on and saying, does this, does this work? Is this dynamic what it needs to be right now to get the best outcome for what we're here to do and for the experience of the delegates or is there something that's facilitator I need to change I need to put some sort of intervention in place to mix it up and move it on so that the group dynamic improves another recommendation I have is that as facilitators we need to be able to meet people where they're at in order to move them forward so anybody coming to any facilitated event is there for some sort of transformation it can be a personal transformation in terms of learning something new that they didn't know or weren't able to do or hadn't thought about when they came into the physical or virtual room with you. It could be a transformation in terms of they've, they've got a problem when they come in. You collectively work with people to solve it and then a solution emerges. At the end, it could be a strategy, a new product, a new way of doing things. You know, the group is where the group is at when they come in. And it's about reading that, meeting them there and really understanding that so that then you can facilitate the journey, you can help them build forward from where they're at to deliver the ultimate outcome, the transformation at the end of your session. I've seen facilitators, especially you know, facilitators who are learning and who've been doing it for a long time, who, who moan or who complain about the group and the group not being right and the group coming in with this attitude or that attitude. You know, and, and we need to deal with what we're presented with and work from there and that's our job to lead that and to serve people i believe anyway in that way you might have a different view if so i'd love to hear it let me know what you think and of course our role as facilitators is to create psychological safety now we can't control or directly influence the individual trust relationships that people have within the group but what we can do is nurture role model lead a safe space and as I've said, I've done a previous show, the last show that I did was all around psychological safety and how to create it. So check that out after this show if you've not seen it yet. Nurture innovation. Make sure that there is um, challenge of assumptions. Make sure that people can air their ideas in a good, safe way and encourage people to really take on board other people's ideas and not be too dismissive of them too early, be supportive and actually use good language. You know, encourage the use of yes and instead of yes but. So somebody thinks that yeah, there's an idea comes up, yes but, nothing kills an idea like yes but. If you say yes and, 
it creates an effect of actually building on the previous idea, however good or not so good it was. So I hope that makes sense. Welcome and recognise everyone's contribution. The one thing that people are afraid of in a, a social setting, in a group setting, is that they're going to be embarrassed or lose face in some way, or that their views aren't going to resonate with everybody else. And the thing is that everybody's point of view is valid. Everybody has a different perspective. And as a facilitator, you can really make that meaningful by welcoming and recognising everybody's contribution. I was at somebody else's event a couple of weeks ago, and my heart sank because knowing one of the other delegates, they spoke up about something. And I know that it cost that delegate quite a lot of effort, you know, and personal courage to speak up and make that point and go against the direction that the rest of the group were going in. And it wasn't acknowledged at all by the facilitator. The facilitator didn't even say thank you. And then that person retracted into their shell and didn't really speak up in quite the same way for the rest of the session. And, you know, I tried to build on what they said as well, and and that helped. I was another delegate. So as facilitator, really reward people for contributing. I know there are sometimes people who talk a lot and that needs to be managed and that's not really what I'm talking about here but if people do speak up, if people do offer a view that is very different from what everybody else is offering then make sure you receive that well and that it's heard. And alongside that is about celebrating diverse views and ideas and if a room full of people all agree on everything all the time, all the way through the workshop It's not particularly challenging, it's in that comfortable, cosy zone. It's in that zone where there's lots of support, it feels very nice, it feels very pleasant, but without the challenge, then you're not going to get anything new, you're not going to get any learning. People aren't going to get that transformation that they've come to your session for. So celebrate diverse views and ideas and positively invite them, and if necessary, be devil's advocate yourself you know offer some alternative points of view and get them to think about things in different ways so this means holding the mirror for groups to challenge their own thinking whether it's risk aversion over optimism the assumptions that they're making you know ask why something might be true ask where the evidence for that might be ask if there's another possible explanation or another possible reason or or whatever so really hold the mirror up for groups to challenge their thinking and to do that you can design in activities such as i love what if getting groups to ask you know what if we did this what if we did that because that gives possibility it gives space to explore it's safe it's non-committal and it just i find you know gives people freedom to think of other alternatives another nice activity is inspired by greatness which is where you'd say you know if someone such as i don't know jeff bezos or apple or um, amazon or lady gaga or david bowie whoever if they were to tackle this challenge you know if they had this challenge your challenge in front of them right now what would they do and then that just shifts them from their usual way of thinking and and helps them to look at it from a different perspective. You can use the technique of exaggeration as well. So exaggeration is where you make the challenge super big or super small, you know, make it bigger or smaller than it really is. So you could say, you know, what if we had an unlimited amount of money to spend on this, what would we do? What if we had no money to spend on this, what would we do? What if we had to sort this tomorrow, right? How would we do that? What if we had all the time in the world to sort this? How might we do that? And just get them to play around with different scenarios and different possibilities. And out of that, some really good ideas often pop up 
that actually can be done. You know, that you don't need a million pounds to do them. They're actually quite feasible, but they just need that switch in thinking. So group dynamics, absolutely fundamental that we understand them, that we're aware of them, that we're tuning in and that we're alive to how we facilitate and that we're, you know, we're quite courageous in how we facilitate as well to get the very best from the group. Because, do you know, it's so easy to have a group that just goes along with everything, they go along with each other. And for the facilitator, it can feel like a nice, easy ride. But I know that you want to be the best facilitator that you can be and have the best impact that you can and be creative and confident when you're doing that. And, you know, thinking about these things, just stepping back and and having a look and, and checking in with yourself, checking in with how it's all going can make a huge difference to your impact and the session as a whole. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I've got loads of useful resources. I've got a free private Facebook group, which is Idea Time for Workshop Facilitators, where there's all sorts of things going on in their like-minded community of great facilitators. So do come and join and check out the bigbangpartnership.co.uk blog. I'm blogging all the time, some really detailed step-by-step articles, toolkits, how-to guides, and lots of free resources for you that you can use as well. And so you can find those resources that you can just download, toolkits, all sorts of things at bigbangpartnership.co.uk slash resources. If you're really finding these useful, I hope to see you next week as well, where I'll be going through the really meaty topic of creative tension in groups. What it is, how to deal with it, how you can create it in the right way so that everybody benefits. That's it. Thank you very much. I shall see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Idea Time Show, brought to you by Dr. Joe North. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and access more completely free resources at bigbangpartnership.co.uk forward slash resources. We'll see you next time.